0: Welcome to Talk, teaching and learning consultation skills. This is the Talk Talks podcast, helping everyone who sees patients to improve their consultation skills, to get better outcomes. And this approach can even increase your job satisfaction. Today's podcast is part of the module on beginning consultations effectively. It particularly supports the chapter, which is concerned with how we prepare ourselves to consult. And the chapter asks the question, how can you go home with energy to spare? Today I'm joined by Rebecca Barron, who has a particular interest in resilience and sustainability in our medical work. So Rebecca, can you start by telling me a little bit about your educational roles and your experiences as a GP?
1: Uh, yeah, thanks, Avril. I um, qualified as a GP in 1988 and um, worked in clinical practice until four years ago um, and loved it. Um, I've been involved in GP training from very soon after going into practice. Um done work in areas of clinical governance and quality, um, but I particularly enjoyed educational work. I'm an associate dean um, and my... Um, Areas of particular interest are around leadership and resilience, and really just about how to get the best, how to, in, how to get the best out of what we do, how to be the best,
0: and how to enjoy it. Thank you very much. Now, the chapter we're talking about today. Um, is thinking about how we maintain our energy while we're consulting through the day. There's so much to do in general practice in particular, and clinical work is very complicated these days. Do you think it's really possible to reach the end of the day and still feel energized by the experience? Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, I think it's certainly a hard job. I wouldn't underestimate the challenge of the job and the difficult job. I think there are ways of managing it that can make it feel better. Um, And I I think one of the key things is about realising the complexity of what we do. We've got to be really clever to do what we do. Um, There's a lot of skill goes into it and it's not about being perfect or knowing the answer. So I think that that kind of recognition, um, I'm not saying you're not tired after a day, but I think there's a difference between good tiredness and a kind of frustration and exhaustion.
0: Right, well, well, that gives us a, a challenge for thinking about how to achieve that during the day. Um, The chapter in in the module talks about different ways to maintain energy and focus in the day. Uh, There are sort of immediate calming down methods, distraction methods um, and what we're calling rebuilding or regenerative methods. I'd like to talk about immediate calming methods first. So, for example, in between consultations, uh, we might do a breathing exercise or a relaxation exercise or something like that. Could could you comment on on why that might work or why doing a breathing exercise would be a good thing to do?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really um, uh, helpful, I've found, to understand what it is about those things that helps. I've been particularly influenced by some work by Stephen Porges on, the polyvagal theory, which is about how our autonomic nervous system works and how the parasympathetic nervous system calms us. So looking at techniques to activate the parasympathetic nervous system and switch off that kind of stress, cortisol, fright, flight response, which actually gives us that kind of unpleasant exhaustion is, is, is really helpful. And there's lots of things. And that's why breathing... Exhalation, we know it slows your heart rate, it stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. And um, that's why those things help and work. And there's lots of other things that can also um, help stimulate that and, and give us that opportunity. Um,
0: So I can talk a bit about those. Well, I think it's really interesting to think that there's a kind of firm physiological and evidence base for, um, for example, uh, doing four square breathing or or washing your hands and breathing and being very mindful of what you're doing uh, in just those few moments. Um, And I know we're going to talk at more length about some of these things in a, a resilience podcast later on. I'd like to just talk a little bit about distraction methods, which are probably the easiest way to prepare yourself for the next consultation. And that's things like, you know, standing up and walking around, maybe going somewhere, getting something from reception, having a coffee, uh, reading a poem or something like that that you you can have in your desk. Those are all straightforward distractions. But, But I'd like to ask you, Rebecca, about some more perhaps complex ways of preparing ourselves for the next consultation in the chapter I've called these regenerative methods they're things which actually boost our energy uh, not just relaxation but actually as it were make us have an extra bit of energy Um, and I was wondering if you could talk about some of these kind of things that 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 help us to get a boost during the day yeah and I
1: think I think even the simple things understanding why they happen I mean you mentioned about um, having something that you look at I mean, the idea of having an icon in your surgery and I had always when I was working um, a photograph of um, a particular mountain hut, which I loved and was really beneficial for me to look at. And whilst we think that's simple, it actually has looking at that takes me to that place, causes a chemical release that makes me feel better it's going to up my serotonin up my dopamine we know that happens so things like that are really important even though this seems simple and like you were saying about washing your hands i mean actually walking across the room and washing your hands Movement and exercise is really good for the brain. Again, that really helps. But there are some specific techniques that you can do. Um, there's one um, which I found really helpful, and which um, is um, the evidence is very strong around um, um, from the work that Martin Seligman does is around something called three good things, which is thinking at the end of each day what good things have happened, and three good things that have happened, and why those things have happened. And sometimes I think within general practice or within any busy um, role, particularly clinical role, things aren't necessarily good um, because challenging things, difficult things happen to us. But actually, there can be things that you are pleased about or thankful for or happy that happened. Um, and I often use the acronym parathyroid hormone, please, thankful, happy. And think about something you know and you can think about it with an individual consultation you may see somebody really challenging but you can be pleased that you've maintained rapport through that consultation mm-hmm. um, and thankful that it's gone as well as it could have done um and so actually really focusing on that because we sometimes think you know when you do general practice a lot you can start to think you know, oh, anybody could do this, anybody could come off the street and do this, but that's not the case. There's massive skills underlying your consultation skills and your ability to develop rapport with a patient. And having rapport um, and getting really good rapport with a patient is based on a set of skills,
0: and it's good for their brain and it's good for our brain as well. That's really helpful. I really like the idea of PTH. We, we all like um, three letter acronyms, don't we? And and have, thinking throughout the day about things that you're pleased about or thankful for or that you're happy about at work, uh, I think are, are really useful things. And I think, uh, for example, you can be happy that somebody's helped you at work. Maybe a team member has done something for you or helped you out of a difficulty or even brought you a cup of coffee. And being able to say thank you to people and express gratitude is nice for other people, but actually expressing gratitude does those same chemical releases that you were talking about for ourselves, doesn't it? So some of these very simple, quick things actually boost our energy without us having to spend a lot of time or go and lie down in a darkened room for hours. You know, they're just ways of giving ourselves a little fillip as we go along. You mentioned, and I think you you hinted there about how having rapport and working with other people is a very important skill. And I'd like to pick up and ask you to talk about whether you think we actually can get energy from our relationships with our colleagues and patients. Because we often think of our relationships at work being a drain on our energies. But I'm I'm wondering if you could say something about working with other people as giving a boost to our energy.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's different aspects, different people we work with, patients, colleagues, um, different groups of people. And we know, um, just going back to the empathy, that developing empathy with people and getting to a level of empathy where we want to help people um, and have that ability is a skill that as doctors we develop. And you probably recognize um, that that changes as you work as a doctor, because you, you have to be able to demonstrate and get involved in empathy without it completely flooring you without you we if we feel empathic often maybe to somebody close to us through mirror neurons we start to feel those feelings and we can't allow um i mean if that could be overwhelming as a doctor um so it's kind of we um adapt our brains a little bit um to be able to cope with that but yet still care um, but what we know and what the evidence shows is that when you go into a deep level of empathy with a patient, um, it's actually very uplifting. It's part of what gives us that buzz. It's why many of us wanted to be doctors. And actually understanding and learning how to manage that is really helpful. So I think that that's um, kind of a, a, a crucial um, aspect of, of of how we work together. Um, I mean, there's other other parts of of, of that. Um, sort of working with people. Um, we know that, um, I mean, if you look at the work of uh, Daniel Goldman around how we work with each other, working with people who are positive is really uplifting. Positive emotions are really infectious. And it's one of the reasons why we do really well as GPs. And that if you smile and you respond to a patient, often you might be the only person that's done that that day. But it's a very mutual, beneficial thing. And people want to be around positive people. So creating an atmosphere at work and an environment where people look after each other is kind of self-perpetuating and self-fulfilling. And the difference between an environment where that happens and one where it doesn't is enormous. Basically, people want to work in positive environments. Um, And often people love working in GP surgeries because as GPs, we know how to do that. We know how to get the best out of people. But recognising how important that is. Um, um, and, and making environments where it happens. So it's about, you know, people making cups of coffee for each other, bringing in a cake, all those kind of things, as well as just that kind of welcoming smile that you give to a
0: patient. I think it's really interesting that you're talking about very concrete actions there. This is not airy-fairy, it's quite specific things, isn't it? Being able to work with other people, smile at other people, show gratitude, share food or or whatever. And I think in a, in a way, however difficult our work is, we can choose to be cheerful. Uh, the Stoics say, you know, you, you can't influence the world, but you can influence the way you respond to it. So you can say, wow, it's a really busy day today. Thank goodness I'm here with my nice team. I mean, you can choose to be cheerful. You don't have to be doomy about it. And that cheerfulness, as you say, will improve your own mood, but also that of other people as well. And that's quite a, a positive feedback loop in a way, isn't it? Um, I'm I'm going to come back to preparing for consultations again because that this is what this particular chapter is focusing on. And and quite often we can feel a bit demoralised when we get the unexpected consultation or something that's going to be difficult, you know, like when somebody says, oh, there's somebody having an epileptic fit in the bathroom or, um, you know, there's an urgent phone call that's come up that you weren't expecting or somebody coming in and you know that their problem is something you feel a bit challenged by. Now, ideally, we want to be able to manage those kind of things and prepare ourselves for that as well and get into that nice state of flow and empathy that you were talking about before. So can you say a bit more about that and how we might help ourselves to prepare for those situations?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, coming from several different directions, I mean, how we organise ourselves and how you organise your day is really important. Um, and I mean, this talking about is not, you know, there is, there's the evidence behind it. And one piece of evidence I found really helpful is from Daniel Kahneman in his work, Thinking Fast and Slow. And he talks about different sort of thinking, type one thinking, easy stuff, just happens automatically. It might happen if I don't know somebody comes in with an ear infection. You probably don't have to think too much about that. But type two thinking, that complex, difficult thinking, those difficult consultations, you're thinking, "Oh my God, I don't know what, well, I don't know what to do," and um, in, in that situation, is type two thinking, and it involves a different bit of the brain, and it's really quite tiring to do. And different people have different amounts of stamina to be able to continually type two think. And for a lot of us as GPs, that's what we're doing a lot of the time. And it's actually one of the really exciting things about the job because it makes it interesting. But your brain needs more food when you're doing that. It, needs, it uses more sugar. Your brain uses a lot of your energy requirements. And you probably find if you... If you're on call or you are got difficult results or a difficult patient, you sort of, there might be an urge to go and have a piece of chocolate or a biscuit or you need some food. And that's actually because your brain's telling you that's what you need. So that actually making certain that you are, I know it sounds really basic, but the, the evidence for it is really powerful. You will make better decisions if your blood sugar isn't falling. Um, and I mean, in the way we worked in my surgery, I really struggled with doing a morning surgery and then going and doing visits. So actually we had a system where the visits were done earlier by one person and then we did a surgery later so it, think about those sorts of things think about when you need to eat I mean it's not and you know it's different things for different people so I think that's one of the really important elements and I think the other element is thinking about what is it that um, actually enables us to cope with this stuff and Martin Seligman um, um, talks a lot about this in how different people um sustain their resilience. And what he says is it's different for different people. And, you know, we were talking before about smiling and being positive. Actually, that's partly genetic. Some people find it easier than others, but other things are equally important. And thinking about how we um, engage with people and that depth of engagement, which we were talking about in terms of empathy, that is something that can give you a lot of um, energy and actually recognize that that's important. The relationship aspects we were talking about working within a team um, is crucial. I think the other aspect to think about is meaning. Um, meaning is something that really um, can help sustain us. And what could be more meaningful than the work that we do, really, as doctors, and particularly as GPs? And we sometimes forget how much meaning our consultation has on how a patient copes with an illness. And I know that from my own personal experience. So it's it's really not forgetting those items and um, that can help give you that
0: um, energy to carry on mm. so it's interesting sort of preparing for perhaps the unexpected can we need to run the full gamut from making sure that we time when we have our snacks at work so that we're ready for the on-call session or whatever through to remembering those deeper things about the meaning and purpose of what we're doing and the fact that we've committed ourselves to working in this clinical environment and that we're developing the skills that enable us to work there and to work with other people so being prepared for a consultation could take a few moments but it's also a kind of lifetime's work as well in a way isn't it as we link ourselves to these bigger issues about the purpose and meaning of what we're doing recognizing our achievements being grateful for what's happening and being grateful for the things that we're pleased about thankful about happy about for the people we're working with so preparing for consultations is quite a complex business and it can happen in a few moments and it can happen over time if you want to learn more about this aspect of consulting read the chapter called how can you go home with energy to spare and there's a lot of suggestions and evidence in there about how we can do this kind of thing more effectively for ourselves and our patients rebecca i'd like to say thank you very much for all your insights it's really helpful Thank you. And uh, I hope we'll be able to talk to you again on another occasion. Thank you very much. This podcast was brought to you by NHS Professional Educators. Making training available to all.